One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. All right, lads, we're going to start with this CPA statement. It's a pretty hard-hitting statement, um, really. It's pretty lengthy as well. It looks like the CPA are pretty pissed off. Um, the statement starts by saying the Club Players Association has communicated with the leadership of the GEA in Croke Park, drawing their attention to the GEA's own reports, which have been ignored. The CPA is of the view that the GEA needs to use this time to recalibrate the season. To date, Croke Park has not replied. So Croke Park is just completely ignoring the CPA by the looks of things. In fairness to Croke Park, they have a good bit under plate at the moment. But um, interestingly, the CPA attached um, samples of extracts from the GEA's own reports from 1971 to 2017. And, and they say, we attach a sample of extracts from the GEA's own reports from 1971 to 2017, agreeing with our arguments, but showing that the, logis- the, the logical strategy for the association has not been implemented. And in fact, policies and fixtures have been added in the interim that are counterintuitive to achieving what these reports blatantly point out. So the GA's own reports on fixing the fixtures have been ignored. The CPA have actually attached them and sent them back to the GA. If they're really trying to antagonise the GA, this is one way of doing it. Um, and then to continue on again, a little bit antagonistic, more than ever, we need strong leadership, direction and action. The association was well able to take swift and decisive action on fixtures as we face the coronavirus threat. When the coronavirus ceases to be a threat, the fixtures problem of our own creation is still with us and will not have gone away. You know, like they're talking, the management committee took the power away from Congress, um, you know, to fix the fixtures and change around the season this year during the pandemic. And why can't it be more, you know, proactive in doing it any other year? Like, again, Conan, as usual, CPA making good points. We're going to get into some more of them. I always agree with what 
you know, their ideas and what they're trying to do. Sometimes I think they're rubbing the GE up the wrong way, like by saying they need strong leadership direction and action instead of potentially saying we've uh, we're after getting strong leadership and action during this pandemic. And we would hope that will continue. You know what I mean? Maybe not rub them up the wrong way so much. Yeah. And it's no wonder that the GA never want to really engage with them. Like they actually just treat them with such contempt, even though even though the CPA have a lot to offer and they have a lot of people behind them, the GA don't really want to listen to them. And, you know, the CPA might have learned over the last few years that they're probably going about it the wrong way. Like, yes, they might need to be disruptive and aggressive, but like that's not working with the GA. And also, like when you consider like, you know, somebody like John Horn, who's in his last few months, like he's not going to rush now to call a special Congress. Like he, he wants to get his B championship in next year, the Talton Cup. So him calling a B championship would sort of be against the legacy that he wants to leave or calling a special mm-hmm. Congress. So again, it's, it's it's all worthwhile. And like a lot of the stuff that they're saying there is bang on. And like, you know, it's, it's very clear. Like they, they're just sort of, again, offering a way of fixing the fixtures, which is apparently what John Horn wanted to do. But maybe they're just going about it the wrong way, but then maybe they're just fed up. I <laughs> think know, I can understand yeah. I think they're fed up. I think they're fed up that I can't understand, Connor, why they're trying to fight so hard to do this. Like, I mean, when you look at it, like, I mean, the management committee this year took over the control of the championship structure from Congress um, because uh, it was a unique year. For me, that is the future. I don't think Congress should be used to decide what the structure of the year is. I think that's something that a management committee can decide with the right people involved in. I don't think these things should go through Congress. But like, I mean, I do take the CPA's point when they're so proactive in doing it this year and they're so proactive in giving the clubs their space and okay, they weren't exactly proactive in having punishments if if it, you know if if they weren't complied with, but they eventually um, came around to that. That this is the way forward. This is what should happen every year. Is that each each um, uh, each part of the season should be separated and not kind of running over on top of each other. And if county managers are overstepping the mark, then there's a there's the the there's a punishment for that. And if if we have if like the CPA are right in that this should be the situation every year. And I think that's why they're trying to rush in through the special Congress this year to get next year's uh, structure set in stone and everything um, put in place that we can have a similar situation where clubs are getting their own part of the year. Yeah, I think so. I, I was just about to say that, like, in, in fairness to the CPA, like, I've I've had issues a couple of times with the with the tone of their messaging, like, you know, through maybe the the coronavirus situation, let's say. But uh, like, in fairness to them, I think they've tried diplomacy before, so they're they probably have, yeah. we try the softly softly approach. That's not going to work. So without you know venturing into militant uh, a militant approach, we have to be be a little sterner with our with our message, maybe. And that, and that's certainly the case in this uh, this statement. I mean, like. You said it was long there. I nearly wish that the CPA divided this into a couple of parts and kind of, you know, uh, waited, you know, streamed it out over a week or so because there's so much in the, in this particular statement. But, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, like the, I think the CPA's message has been that, like this, this, um, if if anything, the coronavirus and the lockdown has presented us with uh, with the opportunity to kind of re- revisit the whole fixtures situation. And if not now, then when? And the, the situation that we're looking at at the moment with the club's first approach and putting the putting the clubs kind of front and centre gives give the GA the, the ideal opportunity to revisit how they might incorporate that into a regular season. And what you said there about Congress, like I couldn't agree more. I mean, like that's, it's one of my bugbears that, you know, that Congress at times is nearly too diplomatic 
and it gives nearly two too democratic, sorry, and it, it, it nearly gives too many people a voice. Whereas, why not, as they have in this instance, put the put the faith, put their trust in a management committee of made up of good people that that know that know what's required and that 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 know what they want to do and are able to do it. And in this case, I, I think that's exactly the way to go forward as well next year, rather than rather than having something that goes before Congress. But but you know, elect you know, a, n- a number of people who, right-minded people who know, the, who who are able to kind of implement what needs to be done and let them do it rather than do, try and do it as we've done it up until this point. Yeah, everybody has an opinion on the structure of the year. Porik Hamsey was talking um, after his club, um, Coal Island, won at the weekend. He was saying, if you look at the calendar year, there's definitely plenty of time to fit um, both in really well. I can't see why it can't happen. It's never been this way before, so it's unknown territory, but it's been a good run with the club. You get plenty of time training with the lads. And this is the thing, right? And, you know, there's some ideas out there that, um, you know, the club can coincide with the inter-county season and you go from one to the other, back to the other. I genuinely don't think that that can work. And I think all the messages we're hearing from the inter-county players now that are back with their clubs, that it's brilliant to be back exclusively with them. Because you hear players all the time, Conan, talking about focus. Well, I'm focused on this at the moment. This is where my focus is. They've no focus if they're chopping and changing on a week, you know, on three weeks on, a week off, two weeks off. I don't think that's fair on the inter-county players at all. It's not fair on them. And I think that, you know, there's no reason why the inter-county season can't end and then clubs get exclusive for the rest of the year. I think that is the structure that will suit everybody. I think the other one, mixing and matching, you're only going to have county players faking injuries to get out of club games. That's the reality of it, whether you like it or not, because they don't, they're not going to want to risk getting injured. So this year, it's exclusive club first, inter-county exclusive after. I think the future will be exclusive inter-county until the end of July, exclusive club for the rest of the year. I think that's the lesson we've learned. And you're talking about you know, county players potentially faking injury. Like a lot of them then also genuinely have injuries at the end of a county season, and but they're they're trying to play through it because it's sort of expected that they're the best players when they go back to their club team. So they're not only mentally drained, but they're physically drained coming in and then trying to lift it and be the best player and the key man on a team that they haven't been playing with all year. Like it's like again, it's it's always the county player that's getting the raw deal and all this. And I think what this season's shown as well is that it doesn't necessarily need to be set in stone like you know the way the county season has been uh for decades like you know the third sunday of of september that's when the all the final is like now when it's like we're suddenly given a block to to play sport in the country you're able to say club is going here and county is going there it doesn't need to like you can work around each other like but you don't have to interchange it you can just start working year by year and the the cpa right as well they talk about stickers and cup there because i think we do get caught up with just club and county. Like the Sigurds and Cup is a massive opportunity. It's a great tournament. And I, I know it's different um, systems and formats. But I look at the the American model. Look how big college football is there. The 15 biggest stadiums in America are college football stadiums. Like there's a massive opportunity there for the GA. If the GA listen to Money Talk, like there's a big opportunity to actually make their third tier football competition a lot bigger. Yeah, geez, I don't know. I don't know if we could have time. To, I don't know if we have time to do that. But <laughs> Teddy McCarthy has been talking. He's gone a step further um, than splitting the club and the intercounty. He wants to split the club season then. Really getting technical and getting complicated now. So Teddy McCarthy, obviously, uh, 
the best uh, dual player um, probably ever. He won an All Ireland at both. He wants the club season split to accommodate dual players. So he says, as they're entitled to do, Croke Park trial things for three years and see how they go. I see no reason why the county boards can't do the same and say, look, we're going to have a football season and a hurling season. Trial it for two or three years, and if it doesn't work, we'll revert to what was there or go back to the drawing board. That's getting now. Wexford, uh, Connor, are doing that actually this year to run off their hurling first to give Davy more time. By the looks of yeah. things, they're doing it. I don't think you need to do that at club level. That's getting a, a little like I, I know from my experience with Port Leash, who when I was playing in the early noughties were very strong in both codes. Um, we won a double in 2000, it was a 2004 or 1990, I can't remember. Anyways, we won a double one of the years and. The player, the hurlers and the dual players were just playing matches every week and they loved it. So they'd play a hurling match, then they'd be back to the footballers on the Tuesday night and we'd be in the week of a match. So they'd be back on a Tuesday night just kicking a bit of ball. Great, you know, the build up. Then they'd play the football match. Then they're back to the, hur- the hurlers the following Tuesday night and they're limbering up for a game. It's fairy tale stuff. You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. think at, I, I think at club level dual players enjoy just playing matches every weekend. I, th- I think you'd upset that balance, you know, that, that you talk about there. But the enjoyment that a, that a footballer and hurler gets up, if you that gets from both both sports, if you split it up. Like when you mentioned the season there, I was pitying the poor the poor uh, the poor fellow who's going to be playing Sigerson Fitzgibbon or Hurl, and then he's going to be playing with the intercounty. Then he's going to be back playing club, and he's looking at a split season, so he has to play football first and hurling second. When when's he going to get a break? But but you're right. Like like when you if you like if you split a if you split a hurling and a football season, like say Wexford are. And then I, I think the danger there is that one of them is going to is going to take preference, especially if if you've, you know, like you, a club manager might put pressure on somebody to put more emphasis on the football. And if they put everything into that and then that's over after half a season, they mightn't be as bothered with the hurling or vice versa. So I'd say that's the danger at the moment. But in terms of priorities and like Teddy McCarthy is obviously entitled to his view and nobody knows better. But in terms of priorities, I think there's a lot to fix first before you go on about splitting a you know, a club season between, you know, to, to suit dual players. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So Paul Finley and John McEntee were talking of after the Monaghan uh, championship match between Bally Bay and Clontibret. Um, and geez, they're fairly doom and gloom merchants, the two of them, I have to say. I was reading these quotes in the Irish News and Paul Finlay first. Um, so this was Bally Bay's first ever championship game at home. Um, and they just there was 110 supporters at the game. So between, I don't know, the media and the security and everything. So whatever way it worked out. So they just got 55 tickets each, both clubs. So Bally Bay, they ran a raffle amongst their members and Clontibret gave theirs to the players and allowed them to distribute them. I, I think Clontibret's one is a better one. Friends and family of the players, I think, should probably get get in there um, first. You might disagree with that. But anyways, here's Paul Finlay. I'm not going to give you a chance to disagree with it. I'm going to continue on. Paul Finlay, Paul Finlay's quotes is what I wanted to get to. He says, any of the things I heard of the chairman and the committee trying to organise things during the week and how they were going to ask people at the gate not to come in, it just left the clubs in a horrible situation with their members and all the people that would want to come and watch Gaelic football. I thought the GEA could have dealt with it better in terms of helping the clubs out. It either needed to be nobody in or they allowed more people in, or something fairer for the members. I was like, Paul, what are you talking about? This is a government decision. This is nothing to do with the GEA. Talk about the GEA getting kicked right, left, and centre. The GEA want to let more people in. And I, I don't know, Conan, like, am I overblowing this? Like, I mean, it's not an ideal situation that there's only 110 supporters at the game. But Jesus, lads, you've just played a, a game against Clontibbert and you drew and it was a great game. I would have thought players would have been kind of on a high coming out of that instead of giving out. That's it. And 
you know, I think, like, yeah, you mentioned John McAtee talking about, are we just playing it for the sake of it? It's like, well, we're playing because we have the opportunity to play again. And the players are the most important person in this. Yes, club championship brings in everybody and it's great for supporters and the rest of the club. They go around and watch. But right now, it's, it's you know, suck it up. Everybody's dealing with this around the world and you've got an opportunity here to play. And yeah, poor old John Horn has been on TV canvassing to get more people into the grounds and it is ridiculous there's way more space or even without a stadium there's space around as EA pitch to have all these people in but they're not being allowed in and but I, I would I would agree with you it's like do you want to play or not like are you going to tell players that there's no club championship this year because we can't have an extra 300 people in to watch yeah. I mean like I, I, I'd be quite 110 people at a club match isn't the worst crowd in the world I've played Portlaoise would be lucky in a lot of championship matches we've got 50 or 60 people at the bloody thing yeah and it's it's also a better uh, opportunity if you get the tickets like Contibor do you can hand them out to people you like rather than the old man who's fed up watching you he's been giving you abuse all year on the sideline like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. read those guys out yeah no that's true so John McEntee says I can see people falling out with their club because there's only 50 tickets to go around 500 members I can't. Well, I, I I can't. If you give it to the players and hand it out, I think I think people are just happy. Number one, that they're alive, and number two, there's matches going on. He said, continued on. He says, I've heard of games behind closed doors and five hundred people turning up at official events. People won't turn up because they know they won't be allowed in. It's not right. It's not what club football is about. Are we playing the championship? This is what your quote, Conan. Are we playing the championship for the sake of it? What good is that? Again. I just couldn't disagree with them more. I can obviously, in an ideal world, it, with a big game like that, a first round, you'd want more people there. But this is a unique year, and is it not better to play it in front of a small amount of people than in front of a uh, in front of nobody or not play them at all? I just don't get what they're complaining about. He says, um, "Are we playing the championship for the sake of it, or playing the championship for the play? The championship is for the players." Like, and we're allowing some supporters in, and most county boards are being fantastic by allowing the other supporters watch them online. Like, I don't see what what the problem is here. Like, I mean, the games are going ahead, and players are back out playing, and it's bloody brilliant. (laughs) Like, I mean, I I just think it's just nonstop giving out. Even like, I don't know. I I don't. I don't know what to what to say more on it, Connor. No, I'm not sure what I can add to that myself, Willie. I would just say, like, like you, you kind of hammered home the point there that let's get a sense of perspective here. I think if we looked at this a month ago, you know, maybe six weeks ago, we 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 thought about, well, you know, would we be back playing games at all, and would we be back playing, you know, would there anybody be able to come to to, to come to any games? Were they all going to be behind closed doors? So where we are now is while it's limited, and hopefully it'll change come the 10th of August when, when phase four kicks in or there'll be, there'll be more people allowed at games. But at the moment, we're playing games for a start and there are people watching. So, you know, we have to get that get that straight first, whereas we would, we didn't think we'd be in this situation a month or six weeks ago. The only thing I can say, maybe John McEntee and Paul Finlay were asked directly about, you know, the impact on club members and what it's like playing in front of limited crowds and stuff like that. Like, and I'm, I'm just to relate our own situation, I know like in we're playing club championship this weekend, and the the situation like we're we're raffling off tickets amongst our club members as well. But in terms of like avoid like we're, we I think we're only getting maybe thirty tickets to raffle amongst our members. So there are going to be people missing out. And I think then that the county board are going to handle the kind the gate. So there's no you know there's not going to be people coming up and putting pressure on club members to let them in or stuff like that. Which is listen, it's a really surreal kind of situation. But in the general scheme of things, that that we're back playing football. And that, that there's even what somebody, you know, people able to watch us at all, I think is is the most important thing, obviously. Yeah, you'll have to invest in a few 
JCBs and diggers and teleporters to lump everybody up on them over the ditch. Um, like some some clubs are doing. So Michal Martin has been talking about this. I think this will change before August the tenth because as we said on Monday, it's just dumb. It's absolutely dumb. It's 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 outdoors. Two hundred is lost in a lot of grounds. So he was asked about it by some of the TDs um, yesterday or the day before. He says the evidence so far indicates that the situation is stabilised. Um, as knowledge of us, it has become clear that lumping outdoor and indoor events together may not be the optimal approach. It is clear that the virus is very lethal in an indoor settings, but outdoor behaviour is different. Um, he says he, he said Mr. Martin added that he's not expected players and mentors to be. Oh no, he he said that he wasn't expecting or he had not expected players and mentors to be included in the figure of 200 allowed to attend, and that's media and the whole lot. So the, the government hasn't had a great start. They're doing a lot of U-turns. Like this is a stupid oversight on their part that Michal Martin didn't even know that the 200 weren't 200 exclusive supporters. Um, he says, this is what he says. I says, I will work on this. The Minister for Health and NFET are also engaged on the issue. The GEA and other sporting bodies have been lobbying effectively and strongly, and we will try to respond in a positive but safe way. So that's it. Like, I mean, this is changing. Let's not panic about it. It'll guarantee change on August the 10th, Conan, if not before that. Oh, definitely. And like the the fact that the players are included is a bit mad. I was saying when you were off, like one of our players showed up late to the challenge match and like they were counting heads. I think it was the club that was counting heads themselves at the gate. And one of the players came down and he said, oh, I was told I was number 87. And we were thinking, Jesus, what would have happened if you were mm-hmm. you were number 202? Would you not be allowed in, even though you're a player? Like, you know, so well, someone like would know. Yeah, but some poor old fellow off the hill would have to be pulled out <laughs> to allow the player in. <laughs> yeah. But like we were like, you know, Desi Farrell went to watch that match as well. It was against Kilmacud Crooks, and again, what happens if Desi Farrell's 307? Like, sorry, Desi, you're not you're not getting in. Back down the road you go. Were you nervous when you heard Desi Farrell were there, Conan? You never know. You could have really played the best ever game you've ever done in all your life. He's watching yeah, it. Yeah, some crack. Yeah, getting called up to the Dublin panel after Derry <laughs> overlooking me for ten years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So listen, this is the way. This is the way it looks. Dave Connell are the next club to pull out or to shut down all their all their grounds. And this was over, they said, due to a pending COVID-19 test result, this was yesterday, the club has taken the decision to suspend all activities in all age grades and codes pending the result of the test. Now, as of this morning, the test has returned negative. Now, Nave Connell is probably the highest profile club that has shut down. All clubs are shutting down. And we were saying this on Monday, the GA's advice is not to shut down. So... I don't want to be too critical of clubs shutting down. Now, Nave Connell is very extreme. Like, this is just a pending test result, for God's sake. And everything shuts down for that. I think that's extreme. Now, you know, you have other clubs who have two or three different positive tests and they shut down until they test everybody. I wouldn't be too critical of that. It's it's conservative enough. But the GA's advice is to isolate the player and and his or her close contacts um, and otherwise proceed on as normal. So, like, I mean, as reading in the Irish Times, Maliki Clerken was kind of critical of John Horan and Tom Ryan, that that is the advice, the GEA's advice. Nobody's following it, but we haven't heard Tom Ryan or John Horan push that message at all. I haven't really seen it anywhere, Conan, you know, the idea that don't shut down. There's no need. Just just isolate the players that have tested positive. Again, I'll repeat myself in saying I'm not going to be overcritical. I would be slightly critical of Nave Connell just on a pending test to shut everything down. Mm, and what's actually happening is the opposite then, rather than the GA push that message, is that these clubs 
are getting a lot of kudos for being proactive, you yeah. know, and like Banner and Derry, they shut down. They did have a positive test, and they were, you know, they were advised to continue on. But small club, everybody using all the same stuff around the village. They just thought, no, we're all just going to shut down and then protect ourselves. And I sort of, I do have a bit of sympathy, like you know, for those clubs that the GA community is the epicenter of the whole place, like the whole parish. So I can understand why they'd be a bit more risk averse like you know and taking those steps it's it's a hard one to to criticize and but like you're right the ga just aren't being too clear on us and like you know we have then this weekend listen they're supposed to be playing this is a club in Derry. intermediate they're supposed to be playing their opening game that's group games in Derry, and they decided to just not plan the opening game because they're playing against drum cern which is where one of the clusters were in Derry in that community i don't think the club had any positive tests, but there was definitely a cluster in the community. And listen, the listen board have decided that they're that they're not playing and they're going to take the season on a game by game basis. So they're just going to maybe come in for the second group game. Right. So it's a bit like everybody's just sort of acting on their own interests. And 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 it seems to be to me, Connor, is the more conservative you act, the more credit you seem to get. Like I mean, <laughs> the, the 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 feeling out there is not really. It, it, it's still a, a very strong feeling of worrying and a strong feeling of it's not kind of let's live with this and let's get back to normal. It's more like, oh, the minute we see something, boom, let's stop. You know, let's almost like we're back to March. Let's lock the country down. Yeah, no, no, that that's definitely been the case. The only the only thing I can say, and like it was great, it was good to see that uh, Nave Connell um, this this morning recorded the test pack as negative. And I think we mentioned this earlier on the week is that. Compared, if you compare now to maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago when the challenge game started, we were hearing about clubs that had shut down, and then we wouldn't hear the the consequences for maybe four or five days afterwards. You know, because people were waiting to hear back about close contacts and contacts and tests and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now, I think Car- you mentioned the club in Carlo. Uh, I think I mentioned the club in Mayo earlier on the week. Is that we're um, e- even if clubs are take, you know, we we he- might hear about clubs taking precautions, but then hours later. You know, hours later, as opposed to days later, we're hearing that no, everything has come back fine. And in the in nearly every case, in the vast majority of cases so far, when clubs have had to take, um, when clubs have had to take those precautions, we're then finding out that like in the vast majority of cases, there's no subsequent protocol required because they come back negative, which kind of gives you a more positive impression about the the potential for the spread of the virus within GA clubs, you know, and outdoors, which isn't happening because, as we said before, it's far more lethal indoors. So it's just, um, yeah, the reaction, you know, while while clubs are getting kudos for being kudos for being a bit negative at the start, the positive thing for me is that the the resolutions that we're seeing now are happening happening far quicker than they had been maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, lads. To find out a little bit more about all of this and clubs shutting down, Stevie McDonald, our own Stevie McDonald. Um, joins us on the line. His club, Kalivi, shut down last week because of some positive tests. Um, how's it going, Stevie? I believe Kalivi are back open for business. Yeah, Kalivi's back open uh, for business as of from um, last night, um, which is a great positive step and, and a step in the right direction. Um, obviously, last weekend, um, you know, getting used to the news that the club's gates were closing again after just opening them a few weeks previous to that there, because um, a few members had contracted the virus, wasn't wasn't pleasant reading, and wasn't pleasant to hear. But um, you know, as a club, we battled through it and um, done the right things to make sure that uh, the club gates were allowed to be opened as fast and uh, as possible again. Yeah. So it's five young fellas in Kalivi, is that right? 
yeah, I think it's five people from Clevey. It's not five young fellas. Five people, um, right. There was, there, there, was, there was three active uh, playing members and, and a couple of other members, non-playing members, um, that I contracted the virus. So um, I think where, where it came from was a few of the guys were, were carpooling and uh, heading to a match, whatever, or, or, or going to training session. But um, that, that's, that's what happened. Uh, one of the guys, um, I know who they all are, obviously, and, uh, you know, it's no fault of theirs, but um, it, it was there was a couple of family members from the same family had contracted the virus as well, and right. it's, it's unfortunate circumstances. But um, you know you have to, you know, if somebody within your club ha- contracts the virus, you have to do the right things and and, and adhere to the the right procedures. And and thankfully, Cleve done that. Yeah, and did did any of the did the not any of the three playing members did they have symptoms? Like, I mean, how did this? How did you find out about the news? One of them had symptoms yeah, and went for yeah, a test. Yeah, one of one of them had symptoms. Yeah, and um, got tested and obviously came back positive. And then uh, a couple of the other lads who had been in the car with him, you know, even though they hadn't had symptoms, they went and got po- uh, positive tests uh, done as well. And that was the outcome of of. Um, you know, then being now in quarantine, basically, and then what the the first guy who had tested positive, as I said, um, there was a couple of his family members had had also tested positive. So that's that's where it all came from. Right. Okay. Like I mean, so it's it's interesting enough that like I mean, obviously we know the news now that every other member in Kalivi has been tested and it all came back negative. I'd be very positive yeah. about that. That those three fellas had been training, you know, because everything's outdoors and we know it's lower risk outdoors in a outdoor environment yeah. in the training environment. That it didn't actually spread throughout the team. It just spread through the three exactly, fellas carpooling. Yeah. yeah, and and it is extremely positive news and. The one thing that um, the whole of Clevey um, done in force was go and get tested. You know, I went down and got tested myself last weekend, even though I knew I hadn't been around the club and hadn't been around the setup. But um, once you're from Clevey, you want to do the thing right by the club. And, you know, there was a traffic jam of Clevey cars going in to do the, the drive-by <laughs> testing. And it was you just knew everyone that was in, in the queue. And it was, it was great to see that, you know, members of our club were prepared to do what was right for, for the club and it was even greater right, to hear that all the results were coming back as, as negative which was a huge relief and I have to say even when my results come back you, you know even though you're you're 99.9% sure that you, you hadn't contracted the virus when you get that message on the email saying that you know your test is negative that's a huge relief. Yeah so how quickly did you all get in for tests and how quickly did you get the results? Well, see, um, there's there's drive-by testing centres um, throughout Northern Ireland. There's one in Craigavon, one in Belfast, there's one in Yuri. I don't think a lot of Cleavey people knew about the one in Yuri either, you know what I mean? Uh, but most of us get into the Yuri one, and we get in literally within... Uh, I had booked my test um, last last Saturday evening, and I was in Sunday morning, so um, in, in less than 12 hours I was in and got my test results back within 24 hours then, so... It was all pretty fast and, and pretty well run as well. I have to say, you know, it was, it was well explained as you're going through the, the drive-by um, centre at each particular point and doing the test, carrying out the test um, and doing it correctly and everything was, was done and, and, and well addressed and, and yeah. each, each person knew exactly what they had to do, you know. It's not nice. You got this thing stuck up your nose, did you? I got it done in Spain there. It's, it's, not a, it's nearly as yeah. touch as your eye. No, it's it's not. Listen, up up the nostrils wasn't wasn't as bad. I felt going down around the tonsils was a wee bit um, 
uneasy. So so it was, you know, you had to obviously swab the, the, the boot sides of your tonsils and that, that was a wee bit difficult. So it was, and, and when you consider, you know, we've had a lot of our juvenile members getting tested as well. That wouldn't have been a, an easy procedure no. for them to, to uh, get done. But, you know, it, it's part and parcel of, of going through um, the things that we're in and uh, making sure that we're, we're on the negative end of things. And, Thankfully, you know, the test itself takes about 30 seconds if you swab uh, correctly and it's it's uncomfortable for that 30 seconds. But, you know, thankfully, as I said, um, all the test results come back as negative and it allowed our club to adhere with public health and, and to open the gates again and, and get our teams back on the field, which is what we want to be doing. Here, here's the question, and all clubs are doing it. It's not just Calivi. Is that they're shutting down the entire club now? The GEA advice. I don't think they've been strong enough on this. I think clubs are following each other. You know, whichever club did it the first time, they're being cautious. I wouldn't be overcritical of clubs shutting down for you know a few days um, to get it all sorted out. But that's not the advice. The advice is just to isolate the people that have yeah. tested positive and continue on as normal. Where, where did the decision to shut the club down come from? Yeah, I think I think from our point of view, we shut the, the club down until we started to receive the the test results back from the existing members that that hadn't already been tested. So um, once the results started to filter back in over the over the the weekend and the start, start of the week, it gave the club the assurance that we could open the gates again. You know, we, the the people who were tested positive <clears throat> had obviously been put into quarantine and have been um, ever since. But you know, for peace of mind. From a club's point of view, we didn't want to keep the gates open if somebody else had contracted the virus, and yeah. until we we started to see the, the negative results coming back in, in huge numbers, and that's exactly what we we got, and that's the outcome that we wanted. So, is your advice to the all the club members now is to travel to training alone, or you know, in the car Absolutely, alone? Yeah, I think I think that's 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 very important. You know, um, family members only. You know, don't don't consider carpooling at all. You know. Travel alone, and uh, you know that's where that's where we believe you know the track and trace uh, went back to uh, went back to a carpool scenario, and you know as opposed to avoid any situations like we we faced in the last week, <clears throat> um, I would recommend that anyone traveling the training sessions or two games to to travel alone or with family members, and just to make sure that you know safety is at the forefront. Yeah, and uh, quickly, what um, you were supposed to play a league game, I believe, last Friday night. What happened that? Did the other team yeah. get a walkover? Is that going to be postponed? No, no, that, that's that's going to be um, well. What I'm led to believe um, is that that game is going to be refixed and played again. Um, okay. Which is the scenario that you want as well. You know, I don't think I think it'd be unfair. Um, of an outcome if, if if a team is given points as a walkover due to members of their club um, contracting COVID you know it, this could happen to any club in the country and you want to support any club that, that it does happen to as best as possible and at the end of the day you know um, you know, because it happened to senior members of, of our um, junior team you know we didn't want to be sending our senior team down to play a game when they hadn't all been tested at that particular point so uh, you know that was a a scenario that we didn't want to face and we didn't want to put um, our, our opponents in, in jeopardy as well and you know thankfully um, what, I, what as you said what I'm led to believe is the game will be refixed but we're back up and, and running and we've got a local derby game um, with the seniors tomorrow night against Drummond and that's something to look forward to Right okay great stuff and you're managing a, t- a team in Tyrone Clano is it so yeah. you haven't you haven't managed, you, yeah. you weren't able to I see them for a little Clano. while either were you? 
No, no, I hadn't been down for four months, so I hadn't. And um, you know, it was definitely a different situation when you when you start preseason training at the start of the year, and you're you're just finding your feet and, and getting to know the players, and you've played a few challenge games, and things are starting to move in the right direction, and then you're hit with the pandemic and and everything shut down, and then you're basically you're basically back to square one. And you know, to be fair to the lads, you know what I was really impressed by when I got back was the the physique of, of a lot of lads. You could see that they did maintain some kind of training amongst the, uh, you know, in their own time. And we did hold regular Zoom uh, training sessions in terms of you know S and C training. That that's all we could do. We we had one of them once a week after probably about four weeks of, of lockdown until we until we were able to get back. So that that allowed me an opportunity <clears throat> to familiarise myself once again with the players. But we've been back um now the last while since we've been allowed to go back and <clears throat> thankfully um you know I'm I'm working with a with a keen group of lads that's very eager to to impress and, and keen to listen to what I'm what I'm trying to tell them to do and um we've got off to a decent start of the league. We've we've won one and we've drawn one and um you know, it's it's a good positive start. But I suppose um, from my point of view, uh, you know, the, the reason why I also wanted to get tested last week was to reassure the club in Throne, uh, Clano Club, and yeah. also the other clubs that I'm travelling to. That that you know, I wasn't going to be carrying any type of virus down to down to any other county. You know, and and that's that's peace of mind for them also. Yeah, it is. You finally got to crack open that bottle of was it wine or champagne you had for Liverpool winning <laughs> winning the league? That that's been in your that's been I, in your press for a lot a lot a long number of years now. No, it uh, no, it, I, I now this is coming from an Everton fan. I find that hard <laughs> to believe. <laughs> no, listen, we've had a we've had a good good season. I'm just grateful and thankful that um, we were able to play out the season and uh, fully. You know, be rewarded by by our so I suppose pre-lockdown performances because by by far uh, Liverpool were the best team in the league and they, they fully deserved it. But at the end of the day, you know that's done and dusted. Now you you look forward to the new campaign, the new season, getting up and running in six or seven weeks' time, and let the slag and start all over again, Wally. You know. Well, that's it. I, I, you started off by saying we, and then you turned into saying they. Clevey is we for you. Liverpool is not we for you. Clevey. Liverpool is they. Clevey. No, no. Liverpool is we because I support Liverpool. Clevy is we because I'm a Liver a Clevy member and a Clevy fan and a Clevy ex player and I and I, I support Clevy. <laughs> a team that you support is we, Willie. Okay, no, no, you, just... you say we as an Everton. I, I'd be happy for you to say that. No, I'll never I... forget the time that we went for that uh, charity cycle with Joe Brawley and you were in your Everton shirt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the joy of watching you on that long cycle and not not wearing the padded shorts was absolutely a sight to behold. I'm not going to lie, my arse wasn't the same for a month afterwards. It's terrible. Like, I wouldn't advise anyone ever going for a long cycle not to wear the proper padded shorts. It's absolute torture. Anyway, Stevie, I've kept you for long enough. I'll let you go here on that note. No problem, good man. All the best. All right, great stuff from Stevie there. Conan, I would be fairly positive about that whole thing that you've got three players travelling in, in a car together. You have them training with the team. You have none of their teammates getting it. The players that the, it went from one player to two teammates because they were carpooling. And again, like we said in the show, it's lethal indoors in a carpooling situation. Outdoors training with your teammates are playing a match. We're not seeing any kind of, um, you know, spread of the virus in that, that environment. 
there, there's definitely not a lot of evidence of it. Like we talked about over the last few weeks, you know, all those clubs in Cork who it was like a chain reaction once they found out that they had played a game against this team who had a positive test. They all shut down. It happened in Derry. It started happening around the country where people were were panicking because they played a game against these people. And I, I you know that I certainly at the start as well was wondering, geez, like, you know, have I played against somebody with, with COVID-19? And it's just, like, none of those clubs were uh, affected in the end, like, as far as I know. Like, they, they had all come into contact, but I suppose it was casual contact. They were playing a game against them and not sitting yeah. in a car and, and sharing the same air and sharing the same saliva or whatever yeah. else. And it, you know, it is going, I, I would continue with, uh, the way the clubs are working now with no dressing rooms, the advice is not to carpool and Kalevi have learned the hard way with that. Don't carpool unless it's somebody you're living with. Keep the dressing room shut. Now, this is going to be much more difficult in the winter when it's bloody freezing and everything, but it's definitely helping keeping everything outdoors. It's helping the, that spread and dressing rooms, if somebody is positive, that's a different ball game. Yeah, it helps. It helps speed everything up anyway as well. Like rather than going into the dressing room and sitting down for an hour long meeting before training, and you know, it's actually it's actually a better way of playing football. You just get straight into it, and as you say, you can get to go home afterwards instead of chatting shit. Yeah, no, it is. Aidan O'Shea has it was talking about the coronavirus after a brief match at the weekend, and he says, "I think the impact of an intercounty footballer or even a club footballer at the moment in time who potentially tests positive to COVID, it has a real knock-on impact to maybe their career or where they are working. This kind of scaremongering that will happen." I was wondering what Aidan thinks this is. Does he think it's like syphilis or something, or is it just the coronavirus, which is like a flu? Like, I, how will having this affect your career? or where they're working in any way, Connor. Uh, I'd love to see the, the, the whole context of, of Aidan's comments, to be honest. Like, I, I'd like to think that, like, he's not, that he's talking about, you know, he doesn't want this sort of scare mind to happen, that no no club footballer who potentially tests positive will, will have an impact on the career or anything like that. Because, like, why would there be any stigma attached to the coronavirus? Like, you know, it's a, it's a highly contagious virus that has, you know, impacted millions of people, you know, people who do nothing wrong, you know, are, you know, are, are contracting this virus. You know, there's, there's no need to create create any stigma. So in Aiden's defense, I'd like to think that he was saying, yes, that's exactly it, that that nobody should be scaremongering about that, as opposed to, you know, projecting a worst case scenario and like people being blacklisted at work or in society or stuff like that because they have it, because that's not the situation at all, nor should it no. be. No, no, definitely not. The obvious next question to you, Conan, is which would you prefer to have, coronavirus or syphilis? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to answer me. I've, I've got no response. Okay, we'll move on to the GPA annual accounts. Um, so the G, GPA had a press conference, um, just, some, just some kind of uh, points out of this. The revenue was 7.5. A million 2019 obviously all this is going to change this year because their their funding and you know their revenue is directly linked to the ga and 2020 has not been a good year but this is last year um but it's actually interesting just before we get to some some other bits it um player development programs player welfare programs accounted for 81 percent of their total expenditure so look a lot of their money is going back into the players and 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 stuff like that then it says as usual we talk about this every year that they release their accounts total remuneration for key management personnel for the financial year amounted to 450,000. so we don't know how many key management personnel were dividing into that number you'd hope it's Jesus, like, I mean, if it's three, it's obscene money. We don't actually know what that is. But I thought it's interesting. These huge salaries, uh, Connor, the government grants 
of 3 million account for 40% of the revenue. And the funding from the GEA um, is 39%. So this is an organization who are handed 79% of the revenue and their their key management personnel are on obscene money. It just doesn't seem to add up for me. No, no, not not for me either. And I just on I, I just reading a little bit into it. I think that's that 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 figure that you mentioned, um, four hundred close to four hundred fifty thousand. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's any more than five people. Uh, maybe four. I think there was um there might have been a couple of people that left the the key management personnel, and I think somebody else might have taken it on. And uh, they were asked. I think they were asked about it this week, and they were told that they obviously couldn't go into confidential figures, but that you know if you wanted to, you could do the maths and work it out for yourself. But it does look um it does look quite healthy. But as you said, like the the, the I, I would imagine that 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 situation is going to drastically change come uh, come twenty twenty, considering that the revenue figures have been so drastically hit for the GAA this year. No, it definitely would. Like they're not under pressure to raise their own money, Conan. Like I mean, they're handed seventy nine percent of it, and then the rest of it is kind of made up in like a huge gala dinner in New York, which I'm sure the new president is going to put a stop to. <laughs> but like I mean, you know, obviously the pressure of where the money comes from doesn't really apply to the GPA. Oh, and actually, when I was reading that, I was thinking, geez, I can't wait for Colin O'Rourke's article on Sunday about this. Oh, it's, it's in, yeah, absolutely going to go to town. I was mm. thinking that when I was reading that myself. But um, I think I think uh, syphilis, Willie. If if I wasn't in the relationship, <laughs> as, as, I'm, as I'm not in a relationship anymore, I'd rather have syphilis because I, you know I shouldn't be passing that on if I have it. Whereas it's see, coronavirus, it'd be a bit harder. You see, I would I would take my chances with the corona. Eighty percent are non-symptomatic. Like I take my my chances of being in the eighty percent, and you're completely grand. You're you're choosing guaranteed hardship. Whereas coronavirus, you're you, you know you, you can still gamble with that with those numbers. I feel like I have more control over it if I have, if I have syphilis <laughs> rather than coronavirus. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new sting for you. <laughs> okay, so like I mean, there we could do a, do a little bit more talk about this. This is a very, very important question to answer. Is it syphilis or is it the coronavirus? Uh, motion 3 at yesterday's evening's AGM uh, proposed to allow players to report confidentially any local breaches of closed season training regulations and receive 96% um, support. So Paul Flynn was quoted as saying players are crying out for an off season. That's one fact. Now it, ge now it gives them an opportunity to report if there is non-compliance with, with uh, the off season window. And like, I mean, you would imagine this is just an obvious thing um, that a player can report it, you know, report it to the GPA. Why have they not been doing that before? I would answer that in saying that a squad might agree to come back early because they're trying to get one up on their neighbours and does a player really want to report if it's sold to the players in a way listen we're going to get a jump on them we need to do this we want to bridge the gap does a player want to report this if he is being sold it in a manner that this is good for his squad Connor do you know what I mean like, yeah. I, I would be surprised how, how players if if this has been going on for years, why they haven't been reporting this anyways. There's obviously a reason for that. I, I'm, I assume, like I think Paul Finn says from talking to other counties, so I assume they're reporting it anecdotally. Maybe this just provides a platform for them to do it on an official basis or something like that. I just don't, I wonder how, how comfortable the, the GPA members are going to be with being turned into grasses you know, having to having to dob in their fellow, you know, fellas that they probably know well, who probably told them off the record that they're back training and stuff like that. But uh, I, I would imagine that's behind it, Willie. I, I just wonder what's the so what's going to be the what's going to be the outcome? Like, is there 
you know, if if there's if there's multiple breaches in this and multiple breaches reported, are they going to be investigated? Is you know, is there going to be a portal then for the GA to take action? So, you know, like I'm not necessarily against the idea because, as you said, the GA has always been about one-upmanship. If you know, if one county is going back in November, well, then the other county has to go back in October the following year. But like, what's going to? I just like I, I'm definitely not against the idea. I just wonder what the outcome is going to be at the end of it all. Yeah, I think if county boards will get the punishments if if uh, if these things um, happen, it looks it looks to be to me. But Paul Flynn continued on. He says it's all about balance. It's not what it's not what some people might believe or feel. We're trying to push towards a professional model. Absolutely not. It's built on a susta- sustainable amateurism, but it has to be built on balance, just as I highlighted. And then he went on to say, I often give the example that in all my years playing under Jim Gavin, I believe we trained less than every other county in the country. That was always my belief when I spoke to other players, what I learned about what they were doing. I was always feeling we were doing less and it was because we're playing it smart. I think there's an element of that that might be right. But there's also an element, you know, we, you know, this ESRI report and it's 31 hours a week. And a lot of that is commutes, which Dublin players don't have. And also you hear about Stephen Cluxton arriving to train a bloody three hours before it and Johnny Cooper and these lads. So, like, I don't believe that Dublin are doing less than other counties. Then again, who am I to say, you know, criticise Paul Flynn, who has direct um, experience of that. But like, I mean, most teams train for an hour. You know, it's it's all the shit around it, Conan, you know, that that getting there and meeting afterwards, you know, all that kind of stuff that drags, that, that piles on the hours. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I believe Dublin might be doing, well, close to less uh, communal or, or group training, but I'd say they're doing more individually. And like, that's probably what he means by playing it smart. And yeah, if you're talking about 37 and a half hours, like, you know, what a waste of time all this commuting is. Yes, you need to get together a lot, but do you need to get together all the time in November and December? And like, you know, can you be, getting fit and hitting targets individually away from away from the group like the way everybody was doing now in, in lockdown and stuff like that and like maybe that will accelerate things like the way, like a lot of Premier League teams do when they're in an off season they're just reporting back then and a few weeks later like at a certain target and you know it works well for professionals it can work well for GA amateurs I think yeah, no, I don't. I think I think you're right in that. Have you seen um, Austin Gleeson, Connor? This fella, yeah. if, if anyone listening hasn't seen Austin Gleeson recently, go on to his Instagram. He is absolutely ripped um, to shreds. So he put up a post on Instagram, a before and after. I have to admit, I, I love Austin Gleeson. Well, I've always said this, I love Austin Gleeson. There's something kind of real about Austin Gleeson. Do you know what I mean? He, he's got, he's very, he's honest in interviews. He found a lot of pressure kind of the following year after his... Uh, his player of the year. He, he looks like he hates the gym. He told me in an interview he hates the gym. Maybe he likes it now. He put up a before and after. So he'd gotten pretty uh, weighty during the lockdown and he's gotten rid of it all now. And he's he's bloody shredded almost like a bodybuilder now. He said on Instagram, not one to put a post like this at all. Take, take, take. Uh, took me ages to get the courage up to put it up, but found myself falling into a hole again at the start of lockdown, binging and neglecting my body and ended up like I did. Now I need, I knew I needed something to change and fast. So like, I mean, it's great news for Waterford fans, uh, Connor, to have him in sensational shape like that. Um, I think Derek McGrath was talking about his performance for Mount Zion and, you know, when he's got himself in shape mentally and physically, he, he like he's definitely one to watch out for this year. 
Yeah, that cl- that classic line, not one to put up a post like this. I'm sure Austin Gleason is genuine, but I've I've seen that on enough uh, Instagram so <laughs> to raise an eyebrow. And I was about to say that there was very favorable conditions for his second photo. You know, he's had a haircut, he's had a bit trimmed. The lighting is probably helping out, and I'm sure he's tense just beforehand. But I know, in all fairness, he he looks brilliant and. Uh, you know, uh, it's nearly when you like not that he was in terrible shape in the first photo or anything like that, but it's nearly comfortable to know like he had, he was kind of saying that, um, you know, he, he just let himself go a little bit. Well, like at the start of lockdown, he kind of binged and stuff like that. And you nearly forget that kind of uh, intercounty footballer, like intercounty footballers and hurlers are as vulnerable and every, as everybody else. You know, they you know they're not robotic machines. They can let themselves yeah. go every now and again. But uh, I, I, I agree what you, what you say there in Austin Gleason as well, like just so. He is very real. I, like, I remember reading an interview with him last year, and I think it was either last year or the year before, and he lost a big championship game to Cork, and afterwards he just admitted that he went out in the beer and had a big mad night out, and I think he might have went out at it again on the Monday, just to, he needed to kind of let off some steam. So he's he's not afraid to kind of be upfront about him, you know, upfront about kind of um, how how the kind of the inter-county game affects him and stuff. But, uh, geez, he is, in, he is in unbelievable shape, you know, and like uh, I think Derek McGrath was saying that he got, uh, he might have scored eight points there at the weekend. So it's obviously kind of impacting on the uh, on the pitch as well, which is, oh, it's great to see. Yeah, I think he spent all the time on his upper body. He has the shorts down in the second picture, Conan. I think he might have been cheating on the leg bit. <laughs> what I was always told is like, sure, you can wear trousers, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't have to show off your legs. Yeah, exactly. Right, listen, we'll leave it there, lads, and we'll have a look ahead to some of the club games. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that was great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you Right, so the fixtures to look out for this weekend we'll start off with the, the games on TV so TG Cahar has Friday night boom Ballyhale Shamrocks defending All-Ireland champions versus Tullerone defending All-Ireland intermediate champions so like I mean this is a huge game everybody knows about Tullerone with the Walshes and everybody's favourite hurler if, if uh, outside your own county is Tommy Walsh and he was talking about how long he's going to stay going. I was reading an interview. He says, I'll stay going. My ambition is 40. I'm 36 at the moment. Now, that's the ambition. I don't know if I'll get there. I'll definitely still be hurling at that stage. That's always been the way. With Kilkenny, I'd say I said I'd stay going until I wasn't being picked. Then I was dropped earlier than I expected. So I changed my phrase. I don't want the Tullerone manager dropping me. I said I'd change it after learning that lesson. Um, I said 40 to put it clear in their minds. But regardless of when he retires, the fact that Tommy Walsh was stuck down in the intermediate grade and Tullerone hadn't hadn't uh, been able to get back up for four or five years and all Tommy in that time wanted to do was play senior hurling. And now they've won it. They won the All-Ireland uh, club at intermediate level. And now on Friday night on television against the defending All-Ireland senior hurling champions, Ballyhale Shamrocks, it doesn't get any better than t- for Tommy Walsh than this, Connor. That's oh, brilliant, isn't it? Like, I, I, I can, uh, I, I, fair play to Tommy, because I'm 36 myself, and I can tell you that 40 seems a long way in the distance now at this stage for me to consider playing that long. But uh, no, it's 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 class. And there's just uh, the, the senior champions playing the intermediate champions in 
uh, hurling and football, Woolly. So in in Galway, the uh, Cork are playing. Um, yeah. In uh, Utrecht, so it's it's mad that I don't. Th- it's mad that they're kind of on the same weekend, and they can they can either go one of two ways when you've like when you've an intermediate team kind of coming up like that. They can either you know the the gap can seem massive when they realise the level they're at, or they they can you know play the likes of you know Utrecht can play Carfin and Tullerone can play Ballyhale and realise that they that they belong at that level. But um, no, it's it's, it's great. It's, it's like is is this is this going to be Tommy Welch's Debut, like senior championship debut, club championship debut in Kilkenny at the age of 36. Given all, uh, the, no, 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 no. They were down in intermediate for five years. He's played senior. Uh, the way, listen, the way the Walshes talk about be, they were down in intermediate four or five years, and they talk about it like it was 40 years. Because <laughs> is such a, it's such a, a, a big club. It's the, it has the most senior titles. But honestly, I've said it on the show before. The way they talk about the amount of years they were down in intermediate, it wasn't that, it wasn't that long. <laughs> So yeah, Tom, they've definitely played senior like four or five years ago. They're just back up. They lost a few. Fi- they lost the final and bottled the semi final. You know, it just seemed like a long, a much longer time um, than it was. His younger brother has been called into the to the Kilkenny squad as well. He's twenty four. Um, um, Tommy was saying they were hoping he'd get called in sooner. Interestingly enough, I'll throw this to you, Conan, because you love this. He played under twenty one in his last year. He didn't play minor. He was quite. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Yeah, I know you don't do never played minor hurling teams, but I'm just throwing that at you because you're you're obsessed with it. Um, he didn't play minor. He was quite small. Only shut up when he was around 2021. 20, he embraced the whole gym culture. So he's one to look out for. Um, definitely this year, a late bloomer. Definitely has pedigree and is in on the Kilkenny squad now. A late developer. I've been hanging on to that one for 15 years, waiting for myself to, <laughs> to start blooming. Um, yeah, like I've actually I've put together a team. I remember a couple of years ago of players who never played minor, and it is it's it's frightening. And it's really hopeful for anybody who never made minor grade. They can see that all these eventual superstars. I should do one for hurling as well. Yeah, on Saturday night, then RT has got the Glen Rovers take on St Finbars in the Cork um, hurling championship. They're two of the big clubs. There's a big three really in Cork with Blackrock, Finbars and Glen Rovers. All Finbars have 25, Glen Rovers have 27 and Blackrock have 30 something. Finbars haven't won it since 93. So that's a big kind of uh, traditional um, clash in the Cork champ- in the Cork hurling championship. Then on Sunday on TG Cahar, the match you mentioned is the live match, Carafin versus Outerard, who are incredibly impressive, you'd have to say, um, beaten Temple No and beaten who Matter Clone hammering Matter Clone in fairness who got who had led sent off who was closer than the 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 final scoreline suggested but very impressive from them so it'd be interesting to see how they can handle it against Curafin interesting to see how motivated Curafin are considering that they've nowhere to go after the Galway Championship lads you know like I mean. <laughs> What what motivates Cora Finn? Another Galway Championship or another All Ireland club? That's taken away from them now. So like I mean, they're only playing in the Galway Championship. Could this be a year that Cora Finn are beaten in the Galway Championship? And here's a question um, for you, Connor. You might not know the answer to. If Cora Finn are beaten in the in the Galway Championship this year, club championship, and there's there's no provincial or All Ireland club, they come back next year and win the Galway Championship and win the All Ireland club. Is that four in a row for them or is their in a row been broken? 
Oh, there's, there's definitely going to be an asterisk involved there. So <laughs> anybody, no more than no more than the Liverpool uh, the Liverpool Premier League title this year. So uh, I'll, I'll leave that till 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 to, to that that headache till till when it eventually arrives, and it probably will arrive if if you, as you say, Carvin might 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 not be as motivated, but it's not going to be long until they win one again, and and we're, we're having to actually actually ask ourselves that question. But but we will leave that headache for further down the line, I reckon. Okay, so Sunday then the deferred game. Obviously, after that one, the deferred game is the is a Mead uh, championship match, Simonstown Gales um, against Screen. So that's the deferred game on Sunday. The pick of the rest. And all of these games are being streamed. Um, so all you have to do is check the relevant county board uh, website and you'll be able to pay for these. So in Kerry, Dingle play Killarney Legion. That's a pretty big game. The big one in Kerry, though, is Temple No versus Ken Mayer. This is El Clasico. This is the big one. Um, Temple No and Ken Mayer. Like their, their trajectories to senior level have been have been very similar. They're both junior clubs. Up in, in 2012, Kenmare won the junior championship and they were beaten in the All-Ireland Club final. Then Kenmare won the intermediate in 2016, beaten Temple No in the final. Temple No won the junior um, in 2015. They obviously lost in two, 2016 in the intermediate. Then they won the intermediate in 2019. They're both senior now. Kenmare, um, small enough town. Temple No is nothing, as we know. All it is is Pat Spillane's pub, which is shut down, and a post office and a church. There's nothing else there um, in Temple No. So we know that there are county players that have the Spillane's, Tyg Morley and Gavin Crowley. So this is a huge local derby. Temple No is like two or three miles out the road from Ken Mayer. So it's absolutely massive. Like, like I mentioned, Ken Mayer um, beat them in the 2016 intermediate final. They're favourites to beat them again. They might be a little bit ahead in their uh, progression than Temple No, but this is the game of the weekend down in Kerry, Conan. Yeah, we did a piece uh, in Temple No last year when they were on that on that run, and it, it's mad. Like you know, people talk about you know keeping the club together and like yeah, how how small it is. Like they were actually talking realistically, like you know they might not have a senior team in a few years. Like you know, and that's just a real possibility because there's nothing they can do about it because of the lack of the lack of numbers that they have. I was wondering with the like of Temple No and even Killarney Legion, who like they, they won these Kerry Championship last year, and you mentioned Uchtarard and. Uh, told their own. Like, is it good that the season's cancelled this year and now they're just bouncing straight into a championship? Because really, like the last they were playing, they were winning, albeit intermediate, but they were winning titles. Like they're they're a championship winning team, and now they're coming straight into a championship without a without a season to interrupt it or sort of knock them off their their stride or their confidence. So I was wondering, is this a good opportunity for them to actually push on further than they might have? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's. I do think Connor makes a good point in that, you know, some team, some teams come up from intermediate and they realise very quickly they're completely out of their debt, and mm. other ones come up and suddenly they're able to compete. I don't know what the difference is, but def- definitely, Kenmare and Temple know have, you know, they're they're in a kind of a golden period, and they're coming, you know, they're coming up. It depends on the club, you know, if you if the age profile of the club and whether they have a crowd of young lads coming up to stay at senior for a long time, it's hard to know. I'd say last season, Conan's feels like five years ago after the year yeah. or after having, yeah. um, whether they can ca- continue on their, their momentum, um, I'm not too sure. Another big, huge game this weekend, lads, is another big El Clasico. It's at Lone versus Gary Castle in Westmead. Um, Gary Castle, incredible club, really, when you think about it. They were set up in 1981. I think it was Desi Dolan's father set him up. Um, they've eight county titles. 
and they have a Leinster club title. Like, I mean, that's incredible stuff. They were set up because um, numbers were too high in, you know, there was too many in Athlone in a big town and it was to set up, give players another option. And I often think of the example, even with Port Leash, a second club, sometimes you wonder, would it be the end of the world um, to give the extra playing numbers and the people who can't make squads to try and improve themselves, give them another club to potentially join um, within within the area. Again, I can't be a hypocrite and say you should have another team in Dublin and then be against having another team in Port Leash. I think there's no... Gary Castle are a great example of how it can work. Eight county titles since 1981, um, Connor. It's, in, it's incredible stuff. Athlone haven't won one since 98. But again, this is another big uh, local derby. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and we were kind of, especially the TV games, we were, myself and Connor were saying a couple of weeks ago that, like, it's nearly as if the respective county boards planned them for TV because there were so, there were so many interesting storylines and so many kind of big games. We've mentioned some of them earlier. And then you mentioned Temple Oak, uh, Temple No, and Ken Mayer. And this one is another one as well. It's just, I suppose, like, um, without going kind of too deep into how they've been going and training or challenge matches and stuff like that, the the odds are very much in in Gary Cass, Castle's favour. I think they're uh, I think they're five to one on this weekend, so you'd be fancying them, fancying them. But of course, um, just given the circumstances and stuff like that, I suppose that the potential for an upset is probably as big now as it ever has been. Yeah, they're defending champions, Gary Castle, of course, um, as we know. Kildare Football Championship kicks off this weekend, the standout fixture in that. Again, you can watch all of these streamed. Um, it's Sarsfields versus Johnstown Bridge. And every time I see Johnstown Bridge, I just scratch my head going, what is wrong with that club? And why, why, why can't they win a county championships? A county championship this year to have Luke Dempsey as their manager. And he was actually born in Johnstown Bridge. He's been everywhere, Luke Dempsey, as we know, counties and clubs. Um, he nearly won a Leinster club with St. Lomans until that last, uh, that crazy last injury time minutes against Moorfield. Um, they've obviously got Johnstown Bridge, have Daniel Flynn and Carl McNally, two county players in the forwards. Paul Cribben, you play him centre forward as well. They have Keith Cribben in the backs. They have Sean, Fer- Sean Hurley and Luke Flynn in midfield. Two midfielders, Luke is Daniel's brother. All I have to say is that their other five defenders must be absolute shite because if they can't win a county title with that list of, of former inter county players I don't know now they have a flaky reputation I'd, I'd love to get my hands on Johnstown Bridge surely to God Luke Dempsey can try and bridge that gap we know Sarsfields and Moorfield are kind of out on their own in Kildare but I don't know like I mean those names just jump out at you Conan as in Jesus like this is a Ballymun Kickham's kind of situation I was just thinking Ballymun there yeah this is an incredible lineup when you say when you say flaky do you mean like the classic like that club has a yellow streak running through them and everyone likes to give it to them as in they could throw away leads you know that kind of way You, you can't trust them yeah, yeah, but that's like when you look at those names. Maybe, maybe Luke Dempsey is just a man now to come in and like he's, he's come home. But you know what to say? Never, never manage your own your own club because you're only going to upset people and it's only going to end sourly for you. Hopefully, it doesn't for Luke Dempsey. But um, yeah, like I, I can't. When you're just reading out those names, you can't understand why they're not winning exactly. one at least. Yeah, no, exactly. Luke Dempsey, Wooly, have you just thrown your hat in the ring? next time have you <laughs> well we'll see how Luke gets on you know we'll see how Luke gets on and you know I'm a mercenary so I don't know what their finances are like you know I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm being very honest about that anyways Leash Leash uh, Hurling Championship kicks off this weekend and the standout fixture in that is Rathowney Earl versus Clock Balakala Rathowney Earl are favourites um, for it this is um, 
uh, Rathdowney are, yeah, they're favourites for the championship. There's a big four in leash. There is Clock Balacala, Rathdowney are, Cameras and Boris Kilcotton, and they've won every title since 2006. And everybody else kind of is playing playing catch up. So that's the standout. Um, that's the standout match in the hurling championship. The football championship in Leash starts next week. There's actually no disruption to to anything in Leash. This is when Leash championship starts anyway. So this is completely, you know, there's no big deal here. The only change in the hurling is that instead of three qualifying out of the group phase, only two qualify out of group phase to maybe cut down on one weekend. But other than that, in Leash, it's it's uh, it's just as you as you are. Donegal have a full round of of football. The standout one is four masters versus Guido. Guidor, Guidor back in the mix. Um, most people have a bit of an interest in Guidor after their, their exploits. Limerick Hurling have another round of matches. It looks to me like it's the losers from round one seem to be playing um, this weekend. So keep your eye out for that. Again, all these matches are on, on are online, so keep your eye out for them. Um, Offaly Hurling kicks off as well. We have Burr versus Kalarma. Kalahi is the standout match in that. That's a repeat of last year's semi-final. Again, you can watch that on Offaly TV. Um, we have Cool Derry. Um, our own Brian Carroll's um, club, they're playing Sir Kieran. Sir Kieran, Sir Kieran lost the intermediate Leinster final to, to Tullerone um, last year. So they're just up from inter- winning the intermediates and they're playing one of the, the big teams in Offaly. So again, another example of how this might, um, might work out. I did see on Offaly TV... They've been pushing out on Twitter, lads, and maybe I just thought this was a fantastic idea and maybe loads of counties do it and I just hadn't noticed, is that they're going doing a goal of the weekend kind of thing. Choose your goal of the weekend and they have all the goals from the weekend. They're all played in O'Connor Park. They're all on Offaly TV and they have edited them, all the goals down and they're looking to vote for your goal of the weekend. I don't, do other counties do that, Conan? I'll throw this to both of you. Or is this just a fantastically obvious idea that no, that nobody else is doing? <laughs> I haven't seen it, and I think it's a brilliant idea here. Yeah. yeah, I look through the I look through the different goals, and there's a couple of good finishes in it as well. And like, I mean, short, snappy goal of the weekend. Again, Connor, it's just an example of how county boards are not making use of their PR and their marketing, and they're getting stuff out there. And you know, awfully deserve credit for for me doing something that's pretty obvious, but in from county boards' perspective, maybe not so obvious. Yeah, and like just like why why not if if other counties have got wind of that why not put something to something similar together themselves you know maybe a two minute highlight reel I just caught a glimpse of it looked very good and to be fair to um to to be fair to awfully uh they seem to be doing a great job with the streaming as well as far as I know the Jaman was down um doing some of the doing some of the commentary on it as well which is great so uh, I I haven't seen it anywhere else I know like in. Uh, in Mayo, there's a very good. They do a very good one for the soccer league, and they do something similar like that. So hopefully, see it uh, replicated now. God, they like they've seen the light with how awfully done it. So so up to up to the rest of the county boards to replicate that from from now. I can now. already see managers hating it because players might start being selfish and go for goals rather than just passing <laughs> it across the goal. And I'd get a sponsor for it, lads. I'd get a sponsor for it. I'd say goal of the weekend brought to you by whatever. More money coming in and do a thing every weekend. And now here you go, another revenue stream for you. Like, I mean, this is obviously the, the job we're in. But like, I mean, sponsor the bloody thing. Get it, po- Make it popular. Get somebody on board. Here's your goal of the weekend in association with. I, there's loads of ideas county boards, where county boards could make money off this uh, TV stuff. Yeah. Go for it, will you? Like, if you're not going to take up the management, then you might as well take up a, a marketing <laughs> job. And awfully, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll become a county board chairman and become everything that I don't like. Um, would you ever, right. would you ever manage a club if somebody came to you and offered you thirteen grand? Would you, would you consider it? 
13 or 30? 13. <laughs> 13 seems like an arbitrary figure there, yeah, Conan. It's a very, very arbitrary uh, figure. Of. Where did you pull 13 out of? I don't know. It's just what I heard. I, I don't know. <laughs> 13, 13 plus expenses, mate. I don't know. I don't know if it would, let's sure. When you work in GEA, you like to have your free time away from it a little bit more. I don't, if I wasn't working in GEA, I'd definitely uh, manage a club. But I don't know about doing doing it while you're trying to do this and going to match. How could you do it when you're going to matches yourself at weekends and stuff like that? Anyways, this is a conversation we should have off the... We're done. We're done, lads. We're back next week. Um, we'll have a look. Monday's a bank holiday, so I'm not sure something major will have to happen at the weekend for me to give up my bank holiday weekend as of the, as uh, the same with the two lads on the, on the call as well, I'd imagine. So we'll talk to you next week at some stage. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today. Because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.